everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It's Mark with another episode of Mark My Words in the News. That's all the news for independent paint retailers. Today, we're actually only going to be focusing on one topic, and that's earnings within the industry. And we're going to be spending most of our time talking about the earnings of Sherwin-Williams. But I am going to spend a little bit of time talking about PPG. There are still quite a number of PPG dealers out there, and so I want to give them that update. Before I get started, you know, I wanted to just take a second to thank the dealers that reach out, that either read my blog or see my content, and they reach out and tell me what they think. I always appreciate somebody sending me a supportive text or email, and even the ones that disagree with me or share a different perspective on something that I may have written. I appreciate those comments as well. You don't have to agree with me to reach out. But I also hear from dealers on other topics, not just related to what I write about. Dealers have questions about uh, their business or about my experience. Sometimes readers or followers just write in to share a commentary. And interestingly enough, a comment that I've received several times, a number of you have thanked me for writing about how I uh, drive up to the dispensary and how I buy uh, weed, marijuana legally and, and smoke it. And I guess as, as weed becomes legal in more states around the United States, it has become legal here in Connecticut, although there are no dispensaries. I still just today uh, had to drive up to Massachusetts, which is about four hours round trip. But I, I think that this will be the last time I usually load up. Uh, and I think this will be the last time I have to do that. Uh, the dispensaries in Connecticut should be open, they say, by the end of the year. But I have had a number of you reach out and, and thank me for bringing that sort of out of the shadows. And so, listen, anything that I write, it's all for you to enjoy. Anything that I put out here, whether it's paint related or jokes about my daughter, uh, jokes about Guy, my fiance, or any of the information that I share about the paint industry, it's all for you guys to enjoy. And so, if the connection is that you enjoy the fact that uh, I write about pot, I'm glad that you wrote in. I'm glad you reached out to me, and I'm glad you're enjoying the content. And so before I get going uh, on this episode today, I just made a trip to the dispensary today. Let's get on with the news. So this last week, both Sherwin-Williams, the world's largest paint maker, and PPG, the world's second largest paint maker, announced their earnings. Those earnings showing that both of those paint makers are struggling in this environment. So I want to go through those earnings reports and share with you what I've learned, uh, particularly on the Sherwin-Williams earnings report. I've spent a lot of hours on that. You may recall that I wrote about Sherwin-Williams, a strike at one of their plants at their coil coatings manufacturing facility in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And that kind of got me geeking out just as I was writing that and doing the research for that. Sherwin-Williams had just announced that they were going to release their earnings. And so I started geeking out on that and I came to some conclusions about the earnings report from Sherwin-Williams that I thought I would share with you. So I'm going to go through what I've learned. And then at the end, I'm going to uh, give some commentary on what I think that means to dealers. So I'm going to start with PPG, and that's really because I want to save the best for last. I have quite a lot to say about Sherwin-Williams. Let me start by saying that these calls that I sit in on, these earnings calls and the presentations that the companies put out in support of them, these are very data heavy. And uh, I appreciate PPG has done a really good job, far better 
In fact, uh, if you go through it all, Sherwin-Williams almost presents their case as if they've uh, got something to hide. PPG does a great job and are very transparent. And so uh, despite some of my issues about what I think about the company and their treatment of dealers recently, I do appreciate this aspect. So here are some quick takeaways from the PPG earnings report. Net sales were up 8% for the quarter. And that, of course, we're talking about the second quarter of 2022. But that's really effectively zero or maybe even down a little bit because the inflation rate and the price of pain is up over 8%. In fact, PPG reported for them that it represents 12%. And so, in fact, effectively, sales were flat for PPG, maybe even down a little bit in terms of gallon volume. Uh, the company spent a lot of time talking about raw materials, and they did speak about ongoing improvements, though obviously those are not at normal rates. The bigger concern, though, is the shipping and the availability of, of trucks, and that is an ongoing problem, and they do continue to see logistical issues and port congestion, and that's obviously where a lot of the raw materials are coming in. The buckets are coming in through the ports. You know, we put it together here in the United States, but a lot of the components of paint come from outside of the United States. And so port congestion has been a problem and they report that. And they, they do expect that those difficulties are going to be with us for at least the remainder of this year. It was interesting to me, both companies, when speaking about their forecasting capabilities in this market, have both said that it's very difficult for them to look even two quarters into the future with the industry so in flux with the price changing and the shortages and the logistical issues that we've had with the supply chain and trucking, uh, that these companies struggle to look uh, much more than two quarters into the future. PPG did mention uh, that they were having a little bit of, of modest improvements that they could see in the labor markets. And so I hope that that's starting to filter into the stores as well as maybe more people come back into the labor market. And so just to wrap that up, the company forecasting that with the continued improvements that they're seeing in all of these areas, they're hoping that uh, trucking gets back to near normal levels, uh, perhaps by the end of this quarter, maybe early next quarter. And they are expecting continued improvements in the availability of raw materials. So it does look like that sort of dark period in dealers' experience where of the material they had ordered, they didn't know what was going to come in. And of course, nobody knows when it's going to show up because unless you're getting material from a company like Benjamin Moore in a market where they own their own trucks, you know, they've really been, all the manufacturers have really been struggling to uh, make deliveries. Moving on to the specifics of liquid coatings, PPG is continuing to struggle to sell architectural coatings to the extent that they had success in this quarter. Aerospace refinishing, that's what they would call their industrial wood refinishers, lacquers, those sorts of products. Auto traffic paint, all of those categories increased significantly from the mid to the high single digits in terms of gallon volume, but architectural coatings were in fact down for PPG for the quarter. And that contrast, we're going to talk about this in a second, down a little bit, I think they had said 4%, down that small percentage wouldn't normally strike anybody as such bad news. But when you compare that specifically against how the independent retailer channel is doing right now, uh, they really have to say that PPG is struggling to compete. And so when you strip out inflation, and obviously I'm not doing this, I'm, I'm taking most of this data directly from the call. When you strip out the effect of inflation on the company's uh, revenue and, and just report it in terms of 
uh, gallon volume, PPG's gallon volume is in fact down 10% since 2019. So that's significant. When you think about how much bigger the independent channel is now, think about how as an independent retailer, how your sales are compared to where they were in August of 2019. And PPG is down 10% against that number. So the independent retailer channel has really taken a lot of market share. Much of the lost volume that PPG is struggling with, particularly in architectural coatings, is coming from Europe. That is the same uh, with Sherwin-Williams. You're going to hear some of that same commentary in just a moment. The biggest driver of the drop in business to the DIY consumer, Pittsburgh reported, was coming from lower DIY volume in Europe. That double-digit decline in sales expected to continue for the coming two quarters. And so I hope that that's not an indication of consumer behavior that would be coming to the United States. DIY purchases in the United States, the company said, are normalizing in a post-COVID environment, meaning, like I said before, they're not growing like dealers are growing. In fact, the company stated that DIY sales in gallons were down for the quarter. That's just DIY alone. So even though retail is seeing enormous increases and the size of the architectural coatings market has increased significantly, the world's over the last three years, the world's second largest paint maker has not participated in that expansion. PPG dealers interested in how it's going with the company's efforts to transition traditional dealer business, particularly in the speed hide and other popular commercial products, over to their big box strategy. They've uh, partnered with Home Depot, as we all know. The company, speaking to that point, the company said, we have already had some meaningful and early wins of some large pro contractors, and our near-term target list includes more than 1,000 pro contractors that have expressed interest in buying our products at the Home Depot. So there you have it. If you are a PPG dealer, they are just coming out and telling you right there, there are a thousand of your contractors around the United States that are big enough uh, that we are expecting to take those from you if you're selling them now. Certainly, they are not going to be supporting the independent dealer in their efforts in that segment any longer. Uh, this is where they're starting. I think that once they get their hands on this thousand and move them over to Home Depot, which is exactly what they uh, said they were going to be doing. I think once they get this thousand, they'll be coming for your next 10,000 customers. The company's announcement going on to say, we are excited about teaming up with the Home Depot and collectively, we see opportunities for significant growth in the coming years. That's because they're coming for your customers. So do what you want to do with that information, but that the company PPG is being very clear exactly what their intentions are with the independent channel and the business that is currently going through the independent channel. And if you are an independent retailer of PPG paints, you really should uh, think about at least protecting yourself from the eventuality of, of Home Depot having all of your top products. Moving on to Sherwin-Williams, the world's largest paint maker. They're headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. And the story from Cleveland is no better than the story from Pittsburgh. In fact, uh, I, I'm about to tell you it's quite a bit worse. To the extent that Sherwin-Williams is experiencing any sales growth at all, it is coming either from inflation or product segments, which are of little regard to the dealers watching and listening to this podcast. Auto, industrial, aerospace, 
coil and packaging are all doing well and continue uh, to carry the company through this very difficult time because their architectural coating sales are continuing to suffer. Let's break it down a little bit and see if we can't figure out what the problem is at Sherwin-Williams. The company reported sales increases of 9.2% for the quarter, which despite very significant increases in those categories I just mentioned before, industrial and aerospace and coil and uh, packaging, still they were not able to grow at the rate of inflation. So despite the fact that they've got enormous segments, billion, multi-billion dollar segments of their companies growing at low double digit rates, they still are not able to uh, report sales revenue that even keep up with the rate of inflation. And so that'll give you an understanding of just how badly things are going in the Sherwin-Williams stores. So Sherwin-Williams is without a doubt losing market share in architectural coatings. Where is that coming from? Sherwin-Williams has two main divisions that I wanna talk about now. Uh, one is the Americas Group, they call it TAG. That's their corporately owned stores. That's their paint stores. Those are the stores that compete with you every day. They call it TAG. They were up 8% for the quarter or significantly less than the rate of inflation. So a significant de decrease in volume from the TAG, which like I said, TAG, the Americas Group, that's their stores, that, that's their 5,000 stores across North America. The other group that I wanna talk about within Sherwin-Williams, the other division is one that's well known to the listeners of this podcast, and that's the CBG, that's the Consumer Brands Group. Uh, the Consumer Brands Group had a sales increase of less than 1%, despite an average rate of inflation in the group of over 12%. So a very significant decrease in gallon volume in the consumer brands group. Let me take another hit here real quick. The consumer brands group, of course, is Valspar, Cabot, Minwax, Krylon, Pratt & Lambert, which is known to the, in the independent channel, as well as many other brands. And we're going to come back and talk about Pratt & Lambert in a minute. But speaking of the Consumer Brands Group, CEO of Sherwin-Williams, John Marikis, shared that the company was not satisfied with their results during the quarter. That means that the brands consumers can buy in the DIY segment, which are available at Lowe's, are not keeping pace with the growth that the independent channel is seeing in that segment. So despite the struggles in the DIY segment, though, uh, Sherwin-Williams did report uh, that they are seeing some signs of progress, and that is particularly in the resi repaint segment where they had high single-digit growth. And interestingly enough, uh, they spent a fair amount of time on the call during this talking about their high single-digit growth in this category because the analysts on the call are aware that 85% of Sherwin-Williams business is in the residential repaint. And so this is an important category and it, it gets a lot of questions from the analysts. And so in the resi repaint, Sherwin-Williams shared that they were up 9%. They were very happy with that as a result. They pointed to that as signs of success. I frankly don't see that. They still failed uh, to reach the rate of inflation. And so even in a category that represents 85% of the volume that goes over the counter at Sherwin-Williams stores across the continent, 85% of that goes out to the residential repainter. Their gallon volume is struggling. And the reason is that's all the business that came to primarily Benjamin Moore stores when during the times of shortages, the Sherwin-Williams stores were not able to stock enough paint to satisfy the demand and Benjamin Moore retailers were. And that amount of business from my analysis, which I am not an accountant, I'm a paint geek, 
But nonetheless, I know how to read a spreadsheet. Uh, my analysis is several hundred million dollars in excess. Uh, I would suspect the $400 million in sales has left Sherwin-Williams and moved into the independent retailer uh, channel. Like I said, most of that uh, went to your friend, hashtag Dan. And how do I know that a lot of that business went to Benjamin Moore retailers during those periods of shortages? Well, now some of these customers are coming back. One of the things that they're doing, Maricus reported, was that they're trending towards higher quality products. So they came to Benjamin Moore retailers for about 18 months or so uh, looking for supply when Sherwin-Williams had none. They were going to take whatever you had on your shelf, but obviously because now I'm speaking basically directly to the Ben Moore retailers. Because what you had are premium products, whether it was the Regal, the Aura, or even for many of these uh, Resi Repaint customers, they found a lot of success in the Ultra Spec 500, which by comparison to the Sherwin Williams line would be considered a premium product. And so now that they're going back, into Sherwin-Williams stores, they're, they're kind of missing that. And so that's an opportunity for dealers to hang on to that business, in my opinion. And, and so right now, Sherwin-Williams is going to do uh, what they know they can do, which is lower prices. And so the customers that are going back, they're going to tell them, well, well, we'll make this for you really, really cheap. But but these customers are now telling them, we don't really want cheap paint anymore. We don't want the Promar and, and we want something better. And we liked what we were using at from the Benjamin Moore dealers. And so that's an opportunity. Make sure to talk to those customers, make sure to remind them that they shouldn't be worrying about the extra dollar, that it's how much further the paint goes, how much less touch up they have to do, how much less cutting in around the doors because of the premium quality product and the independent channel by Executing a strategy like that, you can uh, individually in your stores hang on to more of that business because there's going to be tremendous pressure uh, from Sherwin-Williams to get that uh, business back. But by reminding them what we represent, what our channel represents, which is premium products, we can hang on uh, to as much of that as possible. And I do think we can hang on to a lot of it. All of this, of course, is fabulous news for independent retailers around North America and my friend Dan Kwokin. Before we move on from Sherwin-Williams, I wanted to talk about two other aspects uh, of their business, which I really think are uh, put independent retailers and Dan Calkins in an excellent spot uh, to capitalize by continuing to grow uh, market share in this environment and at the very least hang on to this several hundred million dollars in business that we've just gotten. So uh, for one thing, Sherwin-Williams has no cash on hand. Sherwin-Williams currently has $300 million in cash on their balance sheet. That's an astonishingly low number for a company doing over $20 billion in sales. Doing the math on that, that would be the equivalent of a $2 million a year store having $30,000 in their checkbook. And you know, for me, uh, anybody who follows along closely knows I do a lot of consulting for independent retailers. These are intimate interactions that I have where I understand all aspects of most of the retailers that I work with. I understand all aspects of their business, including how they're financed. And frankly, I, I don't know of a single dealer doing $2 million that only keeps $30,000 in their checkbook. That would be, I would actually, as a consultant, I would recommend to that dealer if I came into a circumstance where that was the case, I would recommend to that dealer that they immediately raise their cash position. So Sherwin-Williams is in a tight spot because they, they are going to need to raise their prices. They won't have so much discount to throw around because they're already short on cash. Also, 
the company has a tremendous debt load of $12 billion. That's $20 billion in sales and a $12 billion debt load, which is absolutely astonishing. And again, comparing that to your own business, which I understand is not apples to apples. Uh, you can't issue new stock, which Sherwin-Williams can. Uh, you can't do big, you know, billion-dollar corporate borrowings, which Sherwin-Williams can. So I understand there are some differences, but there are definitely some parallels, right? And if you were had six stores doing $10 million a year, you think you could handle $7.5 billion in debt? And the answer to that is no. I would tell a dealer like that that they're terribly over leveraged. And, and Sherwin-Williams is not necessarily uh, going to be able to access capital markets at a time when they're struggling. They might be able to access the debt markets, but they're going to have to pay more for it. I don't really track uh, the debt markets all that closely and and what the Fed is doing. But I know interest rates are going up. And I suspect uh, since they started trending up from my, my recollection, I think they're probably up around 200 or maybe 300 basis points. They're going to be paying a lot more to service that debt. And so that's going to stop them from uh, to a certain extent. That's going to limit their abilities uh, to go and offer uh, dirt cheap prices any longer to uh, that resi repaint segment. This is an enormous opportunity, in my opinion, for independent paint retailers, particularly uh, independent retailers who are selling Benjamin Moore. So I don't mean to imply that Sherwin-Williams is going out of business anytime soon, but what I do mean to say is that the opportunity, just because Sherwin-Williams now has significant amounts of paint back in stock for the resi repaint customers, just because that is the case does not mean that the opportunity to continue to take market share uh, exists within this space right now. It does continue to exist in this space right now. I would expect that Cheryl Williams is going to be very aggressive where they can be, and that will be locally. And so there are going to be stories of big customers that they're going to take back because they have the money to do it, but they only have the money to do it locally. I think that right now their situation is that they're not going to be able to have a national campaign where they just take all thousand of their reps or however many they have. Tell all the painters that we have it back in stock and it's all 20% less. They're not going to be able to do that. And so this is really an opportunity to hang on to this business. All of this means continued good fortunes for the independent channel and Benjamin Moore. They are likely to continue to grow in this environment. As long as Benjamin Moore is able to make paint and keep themselves competitive, which I see no reason why they won't be able to, I think that this continues to be an opportunity for Benjamin Moore retailers. And, and in your territories, you should be pushing your territory managers and the district managers and even region, regional managers that you have relationships with, push them to create programs to resolve these problems for you. They're, you're going to need perhaps discounts or terms or uh, perhaps extended price quotes, or there are all sorts of things. And I do understand uh, the market is really difficult right now. And I do understand uh, that it is very challenging uh, to commit for to anything for too long in the future. And so I do understand that, that Benjamin Moore and Dan Calkins have to be a little bit reserved uh, in this environment. But at the same time, they, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars because of this. They have money that they should be investing uh, in this space. And so push them for uh, programs that help you maintain this group of customers that we've just gotten our hands on, whatever that looks like, whatever you think suits you, put it in an email and send it to Dan Calkins. Put it in an email and send it to the sales team that 
handles you at Benjamin Moore. If you have relationships above that, do the same. We should all be pushing Benjamin Moore to be proactive into this opportunity. So that's it for me for uh, this episode. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, I'm taking off for a couple of weeks vacation. Guy and I are heading to Europe, I'm happy to say. And so uh, I hope everybody's enjoying their summer. I hope everybody is not working too hard and able to get some time with their family and maybe take a little vacation. We've all worked very hard over this last year. 